thank you for uh, the great invitation. And, um, you know, as uh, Ron said, I'm the congregational leader at Adat Shalom Messianic Congregation here in uh, North Dallas. We're located off of um, Hillcrest Road, about two and a half blocks south of the Hillcrest exit off of LBJ. And uh, we use the fellowship hall of uh, uh, an Episcopal church called Trinity Episcopal Fellowship, which... Uh, graciously allows us to uh, have a congregation that's kind of like right in the middle of the Jewish community in North Dallas. Um, I've been a, a Jewish believer for, for 35 years and uh, still consider myself to be Jewish, even though I'm a believer in Messiah. I think that's probably a little bit contrary to what you had heard last week, but nevertheless, we have our differences um, among us um, as uh, Jews and Messianic Jews. Um, your pastor wanted me to to dialogue with you a little bit about um, what does it mean to be a Messianic Jew and uh, then um, go into some similarities or differences. And uh, I love questions and I don't even mind being interrupted necessarily by questions. I, uh, I love um, um, give and take dialogue. As a matter of fact, sometimes even in the middle of my uh, teaching or sharing, you know, wouldn't be uh, surprising for one of my people to just raise their hands and say, I have a question, you know, about something, but much to my wife's dismay, because she would prefer that I not answer it and just move on and save those to the end. But anyway, what does it mean to be a Messianic Jew? Um, first of all, I believe a Messianic Jew is a Jew, but he's a Jew that's come to know his Messiah, and that Messiah we have come to know is Jesus of Nazareth. And... Um, that's, uh, that's the simple definition of it. We, we still consider ourselves to be Jews, but Jews that finally found the long-awaited Messiah that the Jews have been looking for all these generations. When I became a believer at 18 years old, um, I think that was one of the biggest surprises as a Jew, uh, is that, gee, you know, the Jews do have a Messiah, and he indeed did come, and guess what? We missed him and overlooked him. And uh, I think uh, 35 years later, I'm still just putting all the pieces of my... Jewish, Jewish heritage still continually together, uh, trying to uh, see even greater and, and more marvelous picture about uh, what it is that I've been introduced to and what's happened to my people and what is going on and what God is doing and his plans and purposes in and through him. I happen to firmly believe that Israel is definitely God's timepiece, and whenever God is dealing with Israel, um, you know, you know, he's, uh, you know, when you see that come to the forefront, which it has been in our lifetime especially with Israel becoming a nation in 1948, then I believe that God is working and it is indeed the latter days. But I'll talk about that a little bit as we go on. A Messianic Jew is also a Jew who believes in both the Old Testament, which is called the Tanakh, and the New Testament, okay, which is, you know, as the Word of God. And, of course, that's where we differ a little bit from my friend last week. We believe the prophecies related to the Messiah of the Jews find their fulfillment in Jesus Christ, um, whether it be related to his first coming or whether it be related to his second coming. Uh, they all find their fulfillment in, in Christ. A Messianic Jew is one who, and uh, I'm not sure uh, we would uh, necessarily see eye to eye on things, but a Messianic Jew is one who does love the Torah. The Torah is the first five books of Moses. We believe all scripture is inspired. Okay. But we're one that acknowledges um, that we, as, as Jewish believers, we are indeed under a new covenant. And I think you all know about what that is. And this, no, this new covenant was inaugurated through Messiah's death or Christ's death, his atoning death on the cross. So we're part of a new covenant 
even though I would embrace all of Scripture and uh, feel it to be divinely inspired and, of course, uh, necessary for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness, like Timothy says. Uh, but I know that we're New Covenant believers. This is where I might even differ with a few of my own messianics, fellow messianics who have an emphasis maybe on Torah to try and maybe connect with the Jewish community a little bit more. I just feel like um, our life is in Messiah and uh, we're under this uh, great freedom of this of grace. And uh, it's, you know, it's, a, it's, a one, it's wonderful to be under. Because if we were under Mosaic Law, we'd be obligated to uh, fulfill 613 commands. Um, of course, not all of them would pertain, but uh, 613 commands, that's a lot of law. Historically, um, there have always been Jewish believers um, in the Messiah. Um, uh, the Messiah, his disciples, the writers of the New Testament, uh, the first congregations were all Jews. Okay, it all starts from Judaism. Um, and it's, it's really a Jewish thing. This Christian thing you're into is a Jewish thing. Um, Gentiles are grafted into Jewish promises or promises made to Abraham and his seed. You happen to be a part of Abraham's seed. You're not a part of his physical seed, but you're a part of his spiritual seed. And, of course, that's the all-important seed. Although the Jews as a nation rejected their Messiah, there has always been a remnant um, of Jews who have become believers from Jesus' time till this very time, till this, till this time now. The fact that more Jews have come to know their Messiah in this last generation may be a sign of the soon return of the Lord. For the last, you know, for the last days, scriptures point to Israel and the Jewish people as a focal point in the last days. Um, we know that as we read the book of Revelation. And, of course, you know, we see 144,000 Jews that from, from, from every tribe that get picked to evangelize and share the word. Uh, not only that, we know that just simply because um, there have been more Messianic Jews in this generation, uh, I, I believe, um, coming to know the Lord than in previous generations. Although at the turn of the century, there was a tremendous Jewish revival. And um, a lot of uh, Jews did get saved at that time too. And a number of uh, well-known scholars were Jews. And we read and were the beneficiaries of their works to this day. Alfred Edersheim and David Barron and uh, others. Um, and, of course, all the way up to this day with Arnold Fruchtenbaum and others that have um, become uh, great, what I would consider really great scholars. But um, anyway, there's always been a remnant according to grace. Many Messianic Jews are a part of church fellowships. That's where I come in. But some, some belong to Messianic congregations where both Jewish and Gentile believers gather to function as a body of believers but in a cultural context that may be more conducive to reaching out to the Jewish community with the good news of the Jewish Messiah. And that's what uh, Messianic congregations are all about. Um, 30 or 40 years ago, in that Jesus generation, when I became a believer, that was probably before your time, Ron, way before your time. Uh, but when I became a believer at that time, there was really no such thing as a Messianic congregation. There was fellowships. And now there are probably over 300. And there's quite a few in Israel as well, so it's kind of exciting. Messianic congregations um, may be characterized a little bit different than, say, for instance, Rock Point Fellowship. Um, we're made up of Jewish and Gentile believers. Uh, we have what's known as maybe Messianic worship and praise. We'll, we'll include a little Hebrew and uh, have some traditional liturgy along with praise songs, along with some traditional hymns. We'll have biblical teaching that is sound and relevant and taught with an understanding and appreciation of the Jewish roots of our faith. And quite truthfully, I would um, 
I would consider that important regardless of what kind of congregation you're a part of because um, you have Jewish roots to your faith and uh, I think you better understand your faith when you're able to see it in the Jewish context or the cultural context that Christ began this 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 faith um, and uh, it's exciting to be able to to be able to go back there and just see where it all came from the Lord's Supper coming from Passover you know and various other holidays that Jesus uh, celebrated and some of his teachings and and they they have Jewish roots to them um, we also have Jewish feast days and remembrances that we celebrate that coincide with the Jewish community as well as you know as as well as the scriptures um, we have our own special training for children and youth that emphasize Bible, uh, along with Hebrew language studies and Jewish history. And uh, we even at our congregation have bar and bat mitzvah training, uh, which might raise the eyebrows of the uh, rabbi that was here last week. Um, but our kids do a great job when those that participate in this specialized training. Um, we also, of course, have uh, Jewish evangelism and outreach because that's what we're all about. And, uh, of course, we have a love and support of Israel um, and the Jewish community just because um, that's who we are. Um, that's who we're trying to reach out to. Plus, uh, we, just, we just love Israel and we're, we don't agree necessarily with everything that Israel does per se as believers. But um, we know that God has a plan and purpose for Israel. And that regardless of the fact that they may be enemies of the gospel, according to Paul, they're still beloved for the sake of the fathers in Romans chapter 11. Um, similarities and differences um, uh, with the Jewish uh, traditional community. There's uh, plenty of similarities and there's plenty of differences. Uh, the main difference is our acceptance of, of Christ as Messiah. Uh, that is described in Corinthians as a stumbling block to the Jews. And it is indeed a stumbling block to the Jews. Um, Jewish people don't recognize that Jesus is indeed their Messiah. Um, our acceptance of Him as Messiah, our acceptance of Him as the Son of God, and of course, Lord. Um, traditional Judaism still awaits the first appearance of the Messiah. Messianic Jews believe that Messiah came and will return again. Okay. Other differences, and I'm going to deal with a few theological and then I'll get down to a few practical. Uh, traditional Judaism believes only the Old Testament, which is the Tanakh, along with what's known as this big compendium called the Oral Law or Talmud, which is um, uh, groups of writings that have been gathered uh, and dissertations and discussions by rabbis. Um, it's a big body of work, but they consider that to be divinely inspired as well. It's called the Oral Law. Whereas Messianic Jews believe only the Old and the New Testament are inspired scripture. Traditional Judaism is monotheistic, but rejects the concept of a God being a triunity. One God expressed through three distinct persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's rejected by traditional Judaism. Messianic Jews believe in one God expressed as a, a triunity. Um, of course, I think that's just solid, sound doctrine that, that is orthodox from the beginning. And I know that there's heresies that branch off from that. And I know that um, Jews struggle with that, but I don't know of anybody that doesn't struggle with trying to understand the triunity and how God could be three but yet one and try and explain that. As a matter of fact, it's a major obstacle and a major struggle in expressing that to Jewish people. Um, because uh, it's, it's something that God has to show you and convince you of. And um, it's something that's not easy to explain because it's, we're talking about a, a vast and great God um, being expressed in three distinct persons but yet being one. And that's hard to grasp. Traditional Judaism considers itself under the Mosaic Law still. 
uh, Messianic Jews, though we love Torah, we believe ourselves to be under a new covenant in Messiah. Traditional Judaism has essentially a salvation based on three requirements. Repentance, teshuva, prayers, tefillin, and good deeds, which are called mitzvot. And I don't know if the rabbi expressed that last week or not. Um, but what happens is that, uh, and, and I'm, think, I'm thinking you're wondering, well, how did this come, at, come about? And how did, uh, how did this means of atonement come about? Well, it came about because of the destruction of the temple. And since there's no temple, there's no atoning sacrifice anymore on the Day of Atonement. And since there's no atoning sacrifice, um, the Jews have basically revised that uh, aspect of salvation to a bloodless atonement consisting of repentance, change, prayers, and good deeds. In other words, it's work-based, okay, as opposed to faith in the substitution as we believe. Messianic Jews believe that only through faith in Messiah can one be saved. Most Messianic Jews consider themselves to still be Jews, um, though our beliefs concerning Messiah differ, differ from traditional mainstream Judaism. However, many in the Jewish community simply consider Messianic Jews as Christians, okay, who have abandoned Judaism. And, of course, that's uh, the, the, the sad situation there. I don't believe we've abandoned Judaism. I think we've found it to its, uh, to its truth. we found the Messiah. and we found uh, God's plans and purposes through him. And uh, therefore, it makes it all make sense where this last 2,000 years have been with regard to the Jewish people and the tremendous suffering that they've had. Um, Messianic Jews may retain similar traditions and prayers and practices as traditional Judaism, but these vary from congregation to congregation. Some embrace Jewish traditions and practices more than others. Um, Ron mentioned Baruch Hashem. Baruch Hashem may, you know, which is a, a big congregation up on Beltline Road. They may have uh, differing views and differing traditions. Uh, I think we all center and are, and are Messiah-centered in our, our faith, um, but they may do things a little bit differently. They may be a little bit more traditional in, in what they do in practice. Um, others may even be even more severe than that. A good friend of mine is a Jewish lawyer. He's a Messianic Jew. He, um, you know, he has a a service that's based on, on the regular siddur that the Jews actually do each each uh, Friday and Saturday. Um, I don't necessarily do that. I think, you know, I think we, you know, we have we have a little bit different expression and we try to do a little bit more creativity and have a little bit more um, variety, but still retain some of the traditions and practices and prayers. Um, Messianic Jews may choose to wear kippahs or yarmulkes, okay, and prayer shawls known as talit. Okay, which is traditional practice in Jewish synagogues. Some may choose to do that. Some may not. Um, I have a kippah that I usually wear on Friday night, but you know, others may not. Others may even have a little bit more of a, a little bit different presentation as far as um, uh, the, the rituals that are connected with uh, certain wear and attire. Um, but anyway, teach his own on that. I believe the Lord just gives us freedom there. Both Messianic Jews and traditional Jews have a similar love for Israel. I think we have a, a connection there. And both Messianic Jews and traditional Jews will celebrate, coinc you know, co coincide in our celebrations for the various feast days of the year, uh, whether it be Passover. I don't know. How many of you have ever, be, ever been to a Passover Seder before? Nobody in here? Pastor, I'll just have to come back. There's nothing like a Passover Seder and seeing the fulfillment of Messiah and Passover. It's a blast. Or Sukkot, uh, which is the Feast of Tabernacles, or Hanukkah, which I'm sure you've heard of, uh, or Purim, or Shavuot. And in my particular case, we celebrate the birth of the Messiah. 
we won't necessarily call it Christmas, but we'll call it the birth of the Messiah because that's what Christmas is all about. And, of course, our celebration of, of Resurrection Sunday or Easter will focus on, on Passover week uh, because the Passover sacrifice points to that, um, that, uh, that death and resurrection. Um, anyway, that's it in a nutshell. I'm sure there's a lot more similarities and differences, uh, but uh, I think I'll just close out for now and just uh, allow you to just ask me any question under the sun. Uh, and I uh, appreciate the uh, kind attention. Well, to, to be honest with you, uh, some some Jews, not all, you know, um, uh, come to come to faith like the Apostle Paul fairly dramatically, and that's what I did. I mean, I was coming down from a party New Year's Eve, 1972, sitting in my front step, and a friend of mine just started talking, and before you know it, I, you know, I know it was a long evening. Uh, but I felt like the hand of God touched me, and I walked away knowing that somehow Jesus was the door to the truth, and uh, have never left it since then. Now, how and why that happened, um, I don't know. I feel like it was my stopping in the middle of the road experience with uh, the flashing light, saying, uh, you know, why don't you consider me? Seeing as how all these young people are changing their lives around you. Remember, I got saved during the Jesus generation or the Jesus movement of uh, the late 60s and early 70s. So, uh, and, and young people were just turning their lives around and a lot of Jewish young people were just getting saved and coming to know this Jesus. And, uh, of course, it was just uh, clueless for me. I had rejected Christ as a Jew culturally and religiously all my life and never really considered him. But that night, from that point, you know, I started going to a Bible study that I got invited to or started going to things that opened up for me and um, life has never been the same. They didn't receive it well. My mom didn't receive it real well. Uh, she said something stern to me. But, they, you know, we were secular Jews. I mean, I had four years, you know, Hebrew training and two years confirmation like most Jews did and a bar mitzvah. Um, but, you know, as you reach a certain point, like many young people, even in churches do, you know, you kind of go a, a secular way until you recommit your life. And, uh, of course... You know, I had just gone the secular way, but the, the idea that, you know, that, that God was real and that God had sent the, the Messiah to the Jews and um, just was all fascinating to me. It was like, wow, God is real. You know, and the long-awaited hope is, is a real hope. Uh, good question. Yes, sir. Well, yeah, and uh, please realize that when you're dealing with traditional Judaism, you're dealing with three branches of Judaism, um, Reform and Conservative and Orthodox. Uh, the rabbi last week is a Reformed Jew, and Reformed Jews are a little bit more fluid in the way they interpret things. They're, they're what you would consider synonymous with the uh, liberal Christian, you know, um, who basically uh, may take Scripture and just kind of make it relevant for today or culturally relevant and of course they're they're different than the orthodox which would take you know the scriptures a lot more seriously and uh, would interpret it uh, a lot more literally okay than um, than he would so it's no wonder it's confusing you know because um it's a it just it, it blows with the wind Tradi from traditional jews or you're talking about tradition oh uh uh, you know, Messianic Jews is they, they, you know, will follow or should follow the same route as any believer that wants to grow, and that's just to hit your books and hit your studies and 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 study under good teachers or or go to school. Um, 
I didn't go to school to be a messianic uh, rabbi. or I don't call myself a rabbi, by the way. Some may. I don't. I just call myself a pastor. There's only one rabbi in heaven for one. And um, plus, I don't want to aggravate the Jewish community any more than I normally would uh, by taking their Jewish title away from their people. And rabbis, by the way, are, uh, have to go through special training with a special certificate called the smicha. And uh, I don't have one of those, so I, I wouldn't claim that. Um, but as far as the training goes, I, I would just, you know, it, it, it's it's a matter of going biblical training. Now, um, I graduated from Criswell College. I finished up out my degree at Criswell College downtown. And Criswell College, oddly enough, right now has a uh, what's known as a master's degree in Jewish studies. And more of those are are becoming more more uh, hopefully relevant or prevalent. Um, whereas you can actually go and and have an emphasis in Jewish studies and maybe have your languages more down pat to where you'd, you'd be more trained maybe for Jewish ministry. I wish I was better trained for Jewish ministry. I could read Hebrew, but I wish I could interpret Hebrew and know the language as, as good as, as other scholars do um, because I would be better equipped to reach out to the Jewish community, particularly the Orthodox Jews. So anyway, the training process, for me, a lot of it was self-taught as well as school. Um, plus, just from my background, and just this is my emphasis now, so I'll, I'll focus in on this area of, of of answering Jewish objections to Jesus more than the maybe the normal pastor might, since he doesn't have to deal with it like I do. It's 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 a big time excuse. Um, we have just as good as scholars, whether we be a Jewish believer or Gentile. We have just as good as language language scholars as as they do. Uh, plus, we have the, the Spirit of God guiding us. And uh, I believe that that's just a major excuse. Um, yes, it, as Jews and throughout history, Jews have had to develop what's known as a polemic or an argument against Christianity because Christianity strikes at the very root or core of their faith. What do you mean, the Jewish Messiah? No, this, uh, we, that's not the Jewish Messiah. How do you know the Jewish Messiah? And then you have this big clash for 2,000 years whereas Jews would be looking at it, at Scripture, and taking it according to a particular slant that they would see. Oh, I don't see Jesus in that, but we would turn around and say, we see Jesus in that. Uh, we see the fulfillment of that. Of course, we're at, we're at a little bit of a disadvantage because they will not accept New Testament interpretation of Old Testament Scripture, which we, you know, if New Testament says it's divinely inspired and points to Messiah, we believe it and see it, and they're able to understand it, whereas the Jew will just push that aside and basically reinterpret that. And um, they've had to develop a, a polemic or an argument against the Christian faith. And therefore, for every messianic prophecy that you would bring up as messianic, there's a, a, an interpretation of it differently, regardless of how unusual that interpretation is. But quite frankly, you know, it, 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 it is a study. And, um, you know, there are messianic prophecies that are more clear than other messianic prophecies. And therefore... The convincing and the, and the conveying that this is Messiah is a little bit more of a difficult task. So, you know, it's not easy because, in other words, they'll have, you know, it's understandable the why, why they would think that this is not messianic per se, um, whereas we would. So, all those considerations have to be have to be taken in. And um, but to me, there are clear-cut messianic prophecies. And to me, as you look at the prophetic scriptures as a whole. Uh, Messiah was supposed to come 2,000 years ago before the destruction of the, of the second temple. So there's a, there's a lot riding on the fact that, um, you know, that 
you know, that since he was supposed to come, either Jesus is the Messiah or where is the Messiah and the scriptures are wrong and the scriptures have misguided us and they haven't, of course. We just feel that he came and and was rejected and a new covenant was introduced and a new testament and basically a new mystery age, the age we live in, this age of grace was introduced. But all that comes through new covenant revelation and if you're a Jew, you won't accept that so therefore you have difficulty understanding that. That's a long answer, I realize, for but a, for a very good question, by the way. There's a reinterpretation of that. Um, Isaiah 53, um, of course, we believe, points to the suffering servant, you know, the Messiah, his death, and of course, even his resurrection at the end. Um, the Jews would look at that and say, you know, that's not Messiah. Uh, that refers to, and here's the new interpretation, the modern interpretation from 1500 on. That's Israel. That's not the Messiah. That's the suffering of Israel. That's Israel suffering under the Jewish nations. Okay, so that's the that's the reinterpretation of it. Doesn't you know? I don't see that at all. As a matter of fact, it just seems clear that this is an individual. It's not a nation. And by the way, um, Israel was by no means perfect, and this was a, a perfect sacrifice. So that's the that's the interpretation since the great Rashi reinterpreted that since since 1500. And um, and therefore it's been embraced to this day, and that's the that's the main main interpretation of it. Although throughout history, if you read some of the older Jewish guys, some did realize that this suffering this was uh, the suffering Messiah. And uh, I don't know if the rabbi brought it up or not last week, but um, the Jews have somewhat of a, a a tough situation dealing with messianic beliefs, their own messianic beliefs, because throughout the the, the generation it has even evolved or, or, or been brought forth that the Jews accept two messiahs because they see the two missions in the Old Testament. They see a suffering servant type messiah, a messiah ben Joseph, a messiah son of Joseph, a messiah following in the lines of Joseph who suffered, went to Egypt, rejected. And then they see a messiah ben David or a conquering messiah. What's prevalent is the Jews see, wow, when the messiah comes, he's going to conquer all and bring peace and whatever. But historically, even the Jews have acknowledged that, you know, there's another mission here of the Messiah and there must be two Messiahs. We would see one Messiah with two missions. They see two Messiahs with one, you know, you know, with two different missions, um, which I think bodes well for us and our particular beliefs and what we embrace because it just seems to make more sense this way. Um, and I'm not sure if he brought that up or not. I'm not even sure if the Reformed rabbi would embrace that per se he might say Messiah is now considered an age instead of a person that's how off base that, that, that the beliefs have become or stretched um, but anyway I hope that is that understandable a little bit yeah but the main interpretation is that they'll see that as, as Israel and I, I don't know whether he conveyed that or not or you asked him that question last week or not yeah <laughs> you should have would have been an interesting would have been an interesting answer I'm sure he would have said, you guys really kind of twist the scriptures there. But actually, it's just the other way around. Do you have, do you have Jewish friends that are kind of like on the fence a little bit? It's, it's, that's fascinating. Um, well, first things first, um, build bridges. You know, uh, I think your testimony of love speaks more volumes than any knowledge you might have. Uh, secondly, I, I think the, the, the focal point and the connection I, I think we have is, is the Jewish Messiah. I mean, you embrace a Jewish Messiah and your beliefs 
are, are rooted in, in, in Jewish beliefs. And whereas Jews see such a big, huge gulf between Christianity and Judaism, um, I see it as one big story, and so should you. Um, and I think if, if your focus can simply be on just the, the, the person of Messiah, uh, a person of Jesus being the Jewish Messiah, and why we consider him the Jewish Messiah, and why he is, you know, you embrace basically their Savior, which they don't embrace, but nevertheless, he still is your, your Savior. Um, I, think that's a, I think that's a starting point. I think just to be able to answer questions that they might have, um, just the fact that, that you do believe in one God, and you don't believe in three gods, you just believe in one God. Of course, you're going to get a lot of friction and a lot of resistance to that teaching, but nevertheless, I think that has to be reinforced. That you, in other words, what your what your belief system is, is really not as foreign as they think it is, and that you have a love for Israel and you have a love for the Jewish people and you connect with them and your your congregation is a big supporter, even though we have differing beliefs, and uh, that your prayers are for Israel and your prayers are for the Jewish community and. You realize that, the, in other words, you, you make the connection in different ways because I don't know how theologically you're going to be able to connect because I don't know their level of knowledge or even their questions. But I think the fact that it's that what you have is, is really based in um, Jewish sources and, and Jewish origins um, and that there's not that huge of a difference if you, can, if you can build those bridges. I think that's a start. I hope that helps. It's not easy. It's, it's, it's their about as tough a people group as you could ever have to reach out to. Um, maybe not as tough as Muslims, but maybe tougher in some in some ways as well. Because they're taught unbelief, to, to not believe in Jesus. That's a part of the Jewish faith is not believe in Jesus. <laughs> or And conservative. Conservative are very similar to reform. Well, yeah, I think reform Jews don't necessarily believe in the suffering hell Huh? Well, I don't know if they're the hippies or the. I think it's more so liberals. Yeah, uh, severe liberals. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a good. You know, Jewish beliefs are varied. Um, you know, there is a concept of hell, but it's not the same kind of suffering hell that we would, you know, see it as. But. In Scripture, if you look to the Old Testament, I mean, there is clear belief in Sheol or hell. Um, and 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 the judgment unto condemnation, like it says in, in Daniel chapter 12. Um, so you got to decipher the modern beliefs from what are the true biblical beliefs and who does embrace the biblical beliefs to a certain degree. Uh, yes, they view um, Satan oddly enough as a, as as someone whom God uses as an agent, and they don't view him as the you know as the the dastardly uh, demonic you know leader you know that we do. Uh, the the agent of evil, um, but nevertheless, the fact that it's at least they at least acknowledge that there's a Satan. They just have a distorted view, and, and bear in mind a lot of these views are based in a reaction against Christianity, as much as as um, as maybe a, a personal or or a belief that's taught. I think a lot of it is well, if the Christians believe this way, you know, we don't believe this way, um, regardless of what the biblical evidence may show. This is traditionally what we've embraced throughout the years, and a lot of the traditions that have been embraced throughout the years are reactions to, to, to our, our belief system, you know, to make it even more spread apart. Um, so anyway, I hope that helps a little bit. Uh, yeah, it's just it's 
yeah, it, a lot of it is what we would consider cockamamie, you know, all over the place. Um, and uh, where the basis of that comes from is, you know, it's, a lot of it's Talmud or man-made teaching or some rabbi may have taught this or, and, and veered everybody off in a, in a different direction. I mean, it's, there's a revisionism that, that goes on and there's even a revisionism among the revisionists, you know, where, where, you know, there's that old expression where you have three Jews, you have four opinions. You have the same, you have the similar situation. You just, you just have differing opinions and you get together and before you know it, nobody knows what they believe. Yeah. You know, the, the ten tribes were scattered and, and really, um, I guess modern Judaism sees three, three groups of Jews, um, uh, Levites, you know, the Kohanim or the Kohens. And uh, if you're not a Levite or a Kohen, you're an Israelite. Okay, scattered. Um, Arnold Fruchtenbaum, uh, who I respect greatly, would say that the, the ten tribes were never really lost. You know, they were just scattered. You know, and I do believe that, um, um, that they're distinct tribes, but enmeshed in the body of Judaism. I mean, they would have to be still distinct because there's going to be 12,000 chosen from each in the future. So God knows who they are. And, uh, they're not lost. They're just dispersed. Yeah, frankly, I, <clears throat> I, don't know, I don't know where you come up with, with conclusions about every Jew will know where he's from. Um, you know, the geneolo genealogical records have all been pretty much wiped out. So I don't know if any of us really can trace, you know, where we're from. I happen to, my background is, is Kohanim because my grandfather was a Kohen and my father changed his name. So I know that's where I'm from. Um, and he has genealogical proof of, of where necessarily they came from. And I think that's another one of the fact that we can see his Davidic lineage. Whereas right now we're not sure whose lineage is who. Um, Jews claim that or proclaim that, but frankly I don't know how. I just don't know how. The records were destroyed when the temple was destroyed. So um, my answer to you, the short answer is, and it may sound simplistic, is that God knows. And um, the fact that God has held the Jews together as an indigenous group among all the other groups that have been meshed and intermeshed I mean, you don't see any Perizzites or Jebusites or Amorites or all these other ites that you read in the scriptures, but you do see, still see the Israelites, still see the Jews, and that's because God has a plan and purpose with the Jews. And when you see the fact that there are Jews, you know that God's word is true because God is not going to forsake his promise to the Jewish people. And uh, they will once again be a prominent nation in the future. Um, but anyway, God knows. God knows. And um, boy, these genealogical questions and... You know, you have this thing called British Israelitism where the British believe that they're the ten tribes. And, man, I, I remember some black group that I was connect, trying to connect with and they, they believed that they were the tribes of Israel and the Jews that are now are fake and phony. It's just, it's just a mess. It's, everybody's trying to claim genealogy. And it's to, to a Jew, genealogy is important. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a Jew and, you know, it's, it's one of those things that you, you take heritage pride in. Um, but um, yeah, nobody really knows, you know, and things get all, a little bit messed up. Yeah, sadly enough, um, now the Orthodox Jews still look for a person. As a matter of fact, um, you could see proof of that in recent history where the Lubavitchers or the Lubavitchers, the, 
strong Hasidic Orthodox sect that you see in, in, in New York, based in New York, which I think originated in, 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 in Europe. Um, they believe that their great rabbi, Rabbi Schneerson, was the Messiah, and still do to a certain degree. They believe he's you know somehow going to resurrect. Um, but nevertheless, at least they have they were at least focused on a person being the Messiah. Whereas now you have from A to Z in in uh, in beliefs about Messiah, Jews have kind of given up on their hope of Messiah throughout this, the generations because he hasn't come. So the reinterpretation is well, maybe it's just an age or a messianic age. Strangely enough, you know, as I've talked with many Jews and I used to dialogue with them on the internet all the time, we used to have huge discussions and chats before I got kicked off. Um, <laughs> You know, strangely enough, a lot of Jewish people feel the Messiah will come when they're good enough, when they merit His coming. And that is so contrary. You know, I think Messiah's, or the Lord's return, is just going to be when things are absolutely the pits. And they're they're dealing with very, very difficult persecution once again in the future. So things are, again, a little bit reinterpreted and, and um, misconstrued and, of course, uh, unbiblical. But, uh, yeah, the hope is faded a little bit uh, or quite a bit you know into believing that you know it's a, an age to come or or um, uh, uh, maybe a kingdom you know but not necessarily focused in on the person you know of that kingdom or the king of that kingdom yeah it's, it's uh, I believe historically it's called the council or the gathering of Yavne which happened after the, the temple's destruction um, since you have no temple um, and you have no base of, of, of fulfilling a lot of your, your temple sacrifice and your laws connected with the temple, um, something had to be done. And uh, what you have is, is a great revision. Whereas, um, you know, whereas you don't have a priesthood necessarily, you have still a, a class of, of rabbis or Pharisees that would pursue and, and basically take over. And... Um, and 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 change things up because they had to because they were in exile and and to retain their identity as a people um, they had to have a, a a Judaism that you know I, I can't I can't take away any other words other than the fact that that it's not Torah based now the way you have the authority for that is you have what's known as the Talmud or this oral law and the oral law was given to the rabbis. Uh, to, to bring from generation to generation to generation and God is dealing with this um, groups of rabbis that would and the rabbis to this very day lead the Jewish people um, but you know if you have the, 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 the if you feel you have the authority to gather together writings and, and, and interpret them as being on par with written scripture um, then you have the capacity to uh, revise and basically say this is the Judaism that God wants us to follow in this particular age throughout the generations. Yeah, but they would they would view that as a hey, there's a reason for it. We have no temple. You know, how can we sacrifice without a temple? So, well, you mean a convenience? Yeah, it is, and that's why you know eventually as Jews get back and they read and they continue to read their Torah, you're going to see a push in the latter days for a temple to be built because, you know, we need to kind of get back to what God intended for us to do. You know, and sometimes from our perspective, we don't 
see how that's going to happen. But on the other hand, yeah, you've got people that are clamoring and you don't know what's happening behind the scenes. And, you know, and of course I do believe that a temple will be rebuilt because there needs to be a temple for a, an antichrist to be in the temple proclaiming himself to be God. So I believe that that's going to happen. But I do believe you're going to see this push. You're going to see this, gee, we need to, you know, we need to get maybe everything will begin to sink in as, as you get pressure from the, from the Christians on one hand that say, you know, you guys need a blood sacrifice, a blood atonement. Of course, their response would be, well, we don't have human sacrifices. You do. But nevertheless, you still see a, a blood atonement. And somewhere along the line, there has to be that reconnect back. But you could see the fact that that it could be alleviated from their conscience or from their from their um, uh, from their views or from their for the, from their religion simply because they had to on one hand and uh, there was no temple to sacrifice. So you you make the adjustment. You become like Daniel in exile. Daniel didn't have any sacrifices either. Any of the Jews in exile, they didn't have any sacrifices. But nevertheless, they were still the people of God, and God understands and God knows. Um, but then. On the other hand, you know, me as a literalist say, well, there's a Torah-based atonement. You can't replace that. If you've replaced it, then you revised it. And if you've revised it, then why have you changed your Torah? And they would say, we don't change our Torah. We don't change our Torah. We just reinterpret it. Or we have the oral law that helps us understand the Torah. You see, the oral law helps us interpret the Torah properly for our day and time. Okay. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. They have they have the same thing, and of course Catholicism has a similar thing. Only the priests know how to really interpret the scriptures, how to really give you the doctrines of God um, uh, through revelation. To be in the very presence of God, only one man once a year could be in that very presence of God, and he better have a bucket of blood with him. Okay. Um, but as far as praying to God, I, I, I think God hears every prayer. You know, I think God hears everything and knows everything. And there's no reason for a Jew or anybody to believe that their cries are not necessarily heard by God, uh, whether that person can ever... But be, he being heard by God and having your prayers heard and, and connecting in prayer is far different than, gee, can I be and live in the presence of God for all eternity like it was with my ancestors in the Garden of Eden when we walked with God. That's a different issue, okay? Because God's holy and He's unapproachable. And you, you could see where that, you know, it, you know I, think, I think we're connecting on the same thing, but, I, but, but you could understand where, you know, a Jew would say, you know, I, you know, hey, God hears my prayers and I have a walk with the Lord because God is omnipresent and I believe all those things. But again, there's a difference between praying to God or praying towards God and being right with God and being justified before God and being sanctified before God, which we have in Messiah. It, it, it points to a, a dilemma, you know, whether you take your, your scriptures literally or you feel like you have the capacity to now reintroduce a doctrine that says, you know, all we need now is to simply turn and change and repent. As a matter of fact... Um, I will answer you as, a, as, a, as a, a traditionalist Jew. We don't need to sacrifice anymore because according to our scriptures, God does not longer or no longer needs our sacrifices but wants a broken and contrite heart. And there is scripture that says, I don't want any of your sacrifices, only a broken and contrite heart. 
So therefore, we don't necessarily need sacrifices. We just need to, you know, God requires just simply, as it says in Hosea, the sacrifices of our lips. Okay? Well, what do you do with that? When they throw that in your face. You know, and yeah, those Scriptures are true and I believe them. You know, I think they're misinterpreted because sacrifice was important as well. But sacrifice without repentance is meaningless. We would all agree with that. But again, you know, you know, you could take things and basically develop them and see how they got developed and see how they got justified. I mean, those are the scriptures that are that'll be thrown up. Yeah, yeah. Probably thinks as many Jews do, as my Hebrew school teacher viewed, that uh, your life is just her interpretation. Your life is snuffed out as a candle, and there is no afterlife. Many Jews feel that way. You just you just perish. Yeah. Well, yeah, or what's the point of life? Um, well, but many people have that. Many people have the view that, you know, that there's no, this is it. You know, eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. Or, you know, just in case there's a God, maybe I'll live a, a clean life, you know. No, I, in case there's an afterlife or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure what his specific view is. I Maybe, maybe you know, I think a lot of Jews just believe that. Yeah. Yeah, but he doesn't believe that there's eternal destinies, you know, whether in heaven or in hell. So, therefore, all you are is in the ground. That explains some of his signs, I just heard. Yeah, what are, what are some of those signs? Oh, you know, pray, it might do you some good. Uh, it might do you some Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's religious. Be religious because it's a nice way of, of life, yeah. Well, I think, yeah, I think you have that. I think um, a lot of Jews have just been very um, disheartened and broken down and, and have a lack of understanding as far as why the Holocaust took place. And quite frankly, the Holocaust was so tragic. We all difficult. We all have difficulty why that took place and why God allowed that. I know out of the ashes of the Holocaust, Israel was born, so there's a dark, a silver lining and a dark cloud there. But yeah. I think uh, many Jews have uh, just uh, given up on God and um, therefore feel that, you know, because of the persecution and the history, um, that God has abandoned them and therefore they've abandoned Him. You know. And yeah, there are atheistic Jews and they're still considered Jews. Of course, as a Messianic Jew who loves all of Scripture, I would not be considered a Jew. Um, you could be a, a Jewish Buddhist or a Jewish atheist or a Jewish this. So of course, the Orthodox don't receive that, but seems like, you know, you could be a Jewish New Ager. You could do, you be all things as a Jew. But if you're a Messianic Jew and you believe in Jesus, no, you're not a Jew anymore. So it's just, that's just, I guess, the, the prejudice there. The, the, the ironic thing is, is that he's a, from what I understand, he's a Gentile convert. Whereas I actually have Jewish parentage, you know, and Jewish, you know, Jewish history. And he plots if he thought I was a Kohenim, you know, among that too. I think his last name's Cohen too, or at least he. I'm not sure. I don't. I don't Are they considered converted? Um, yeah, but I. I think there's different terminologies given. Um, you know, Jewish believer, uh, converted Jew. Uh, um, uh, completed you all those terms. I, I I prefer the term just Jewish believer because I don't want anybody to rob me from my Jewish heritage, um, which is there, like that gentleman tried to do last week. Um, but uh, yeah, he would. I think he would. 
you know, there's there's different views. I, I just prefer the term Jewish believer. And um, I don't know if we're really converted. I think we're just we just come to an understanding of who our Messiah is and have come into what we consider a, a relationship with God for the first time, you know, ever. A real walk with the Lord because of uh, the fact that we are, you know, we're cleansed and forgiven and uh, now have access and have a, believe it or not, actually do have a Jewish high priest, okay, that uh, ever lives under a different priesthood, a greater priesthood, an eternal priesthood. So the whole thing's Jewish. I'm telling you, the whole thing is Jewish. You know, you have a great high priest. Um, you know, you worship, you know, in, in the very throne of God. You have a sacrifice uh, for your sins. Um, you have a Passover sacrifice. You have a sin offer. You have all these different things that connect back to uh, Torah Judaism, true Judaism, um, as, as being, of course, Messiah said that he came not to destroy the law or dismantle it, but, but simply to be the fulfillment of it. And um, as you read New Testament and you come to understand it greater and greater, you realize that, yeah, you know, the, the law was indeed a tutor that pointed us towards faith, you know. Uh, it was indeed something that was a good covering, a good temporary, uh, but it never made anything permanent, um, whereas Messiah did or the New Covenant did. So, it's, be- it's, really, it's beautiful the way it's all connected. Um, you know, different ways of, of viewing us. See, I'm sure the, the, the rabbi last week would consider himself Messianic Jew. Uh, because he believes in, you know, I had to come. You know, Jews would turn around and say, well, we're messianic too. We believe, we just believe Messiah's not here, but we're messianic. 